0: I'm Sarah Chamberlain, and you're listening to Women to Women's Conversations. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Congressman Andy Barr from Kentucky to discuss the recent collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. So recently, we've seen the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank. Can you explain to our listeners what caused this collapse and how it is affecting the American people?
1: Well, thanks, Sarah. I think there's there's causes there's the proximate cause the immediate cause and then there is the underlying cause um, which is um, a little bit um, you have to go back in history a little bit to fully understand this story of this bank collapse and similar banks that are in similar distress so the proximate cause is obviously a lack of um, strong management by the bank a failure to hedge interest rate risk in a rising interest rate environment Uh, This was an institution that grew very rapidly, uh, uh, quadrupled in size in two years, doubled in size in one year, and uh, took on a whole lot of uninsured deposits. And it was heavily concentrated in the tech and bio sectors. One would expect that uh, coming from Silicon Valley. But uh, over 50% of the market share of all technology startups in the country banked with this one institution, Wow! Uh, all 50 states. So it was heavily concentrated and uh, an inordinate amount of uninsured deposits, 90% of the deposit that, deposits at this bank, this regional bank, were uninsured, meaning they had accounts over $250,000 of FDIC insurance. But the main problem with bank management is that they took a very, very risky position, the riskiest uh, investment strategy you could take. They took all of those uninsured deposits, and then they invested them in um, long-dated hold-to-maturity securities, relatively safe securities, by the way, U.S. Treasuries and uh, agency securities, mortgage-backed securities. But the problem was they invested in those long-duration bonds before the Federal Reserve started to tighten monetary policy. And so you had a precipitous increase in interest rates, and there was no hedging of that interest rate risk. And as, the, as a result, the value of those assets plummeted. They had unrealized losses. And when the tech sector, which was under duress, began to uh, move money out of the bank, and when there were withdrawals, because the, the, the institution marked those assets to market, um, in the middle of last week, and they realized they had all these unrealized losses, well, then the bank had to actually sell those assets at a loss in order to cover all of the withdrawals. That that caused a bank run that was simply unsustainable, and that was what necessitated um, regulator intervention. But the underlying cause, though, is the more interesting part of the story, Sarah, because um, this was a failure uh, not just of bank management. This was a failure of government policy. It was a failure of bank supervision. Now you will get some progressives, uh, including the president uh, Elizabeth Warren and others, who blame um, um, regulatory reform for this. But th- but let's be clear. This was not a failure of existing bank regulation. The regulators had all the tools that they needed to prevent this from happening. And in fact. Over the weekend, when you saw Treasury, the FDIC, and the Fed intervene, they had the tools that they needed to uh, limit the bank run and to uh, address the systemic risk issue over over the weekend. Um, this was not a failure of a lack of regulation. This was a failure of bank supervision. For for you know, and the and the San Francisco Fed was was regulating and supervising this institution, SVB. They were in it, they had all the visibility that they needed, and they failed to address this uh, growing liquidity challenge for this bank, and they failed to identify this interest rate risk that was growing, Um, and it was hiding in plain sight. And the regulators simply were were distracted by whatever else they were doing and not focused on the nuts and bolts of bank supervision. And then if you go back even further in the history of this, you see a a failure, a a just breathtaking failure of government policy, both fiscal policy mistakes and monetary policy mistakes that created this interest rate sensitivity on the part of this bank and others, uh, where you had um, massive amounts of fiscal stimulus that was frankly profligate and unnecessary and fiscally reckless, all of the spending coming out of Washington over the last several years, which created the highest inflation rate in 40 years, and a monetary policy uh, that was excessively uh, loose and accommodative, that um, where quantitative easing was continuing well into an economic growth cycle, uh, and where the Fed kept interest rates too low for too long, resulting in this inflation and massive growth in the money supply that necessitated a very precipitous abrupt change in policy uh, and a tightening, the fastest tightening in monetary policy and rise in interest rates in decades. And when that happens, things are going to break. And this was an example of a precipitous rise in interest rates that created the stress on this bank that was uh, loaded up in uh, long duration, hold to maturity securities where uh, where the assets plummeted in value.
0: Okay, so I have to tell you, this is the best explanation I've heard, Andy. So I have a next question. Since you sit on the House Financial Services Subcommittee, overseeing financial institutions, what can Congress be doing on this to prevent this from happening again since the American people have been rattled by this?
1: Well, number one, we have to be adults in the room, and we, unlike the president who likes to blame Republicans for everything, yes,
0: yes we, he
1: does. We, need to, we need to focus first and foremost on oversight of the regulators to make sure that we eliminate systemic risk, uh, that we um, make sure that we uh, ensure financial stability, number one. Um, obviously, these uninsured depositors uh, represent uh, companies all over the country with payroll that they have to meet. So it's understandable that there was a desire to prevent these bank runs. The regional banks have taken a big hit. So the answer that the that the president is is proposing to put more burdensome regulations on regional yes. banks, precisely at the time when they need relief, yes. is a is a terrible idea. That's exactly the wrong answer. This was not a problem of bank regulation, a problem of of supervision. But then we do need to have that over those oversight hearings and get to the bottom of actually what happened and. Uh, and again, I think it's a, a combination of monetary and fiscal policy mistakes that created the conditions for uh, a bank management failure of this magnitude. And one thing that we ought to as we look to solutions, Sarah, going forward, and we ought to be solution oriented and how do we get to the bottom of how this happened and how how can we prevent this from ever happening again? Right. Um, you know I think we also need to look at this issue of of moral hazard. We should protect the taxpayer always. We should not ever support um, bailouts uh, by the taxpayer to the extent possible, because that creates moral hazard. You know, capitalism requires risk-taking. It requires risk. If you take risk out of the system, then capitalism doesn't work. Right. And that means that there has to be failures when people make mistakes. And in this case, the management of the bank has been removed, the... Uh, equity and bondholders of the bank uh, have been punished. Um, But the uninsured depositors, um, in order to prevent a run on other regional banks, um, they were, quote-unquote, bailed out, but not by the taxpayer. They were bailed out by what's called the Deposit Insurance Fund at the FDIC. That is funded by assessments on the banks itself. So the good news here is that there was no taxpayer bailout. The bad news is that there's still a moral hazard here. We've got to get to the bottom of why it was that these tech companies put all of their cash in one bank in in a concentrated risk position. You're talking about tens of millions of dollars in some cases, even over $100 million in some cases of uninsured deposits. Why did these uh, these companies take such a risky position in doing that? And I think we need to discourage that. We need to find the policy solutions for that. And then some are saying, you know, maybe we ought to consider amending this systemic risk exemption exception uh, to the, uh, um, the, uh, the, the uh, insurance fund, so that if there, are, if there is a, a need uh, to stem systemic risk going forward, uh, that, there, that we keep a disincentive, or rather the incentives in place to not park all of your cash in one bank. Um, And I think we're going to investigate, as part of our oversight, why it was that these companies put all of their cash in one bank, uninsured, and what can we do to make sure we don't have this moral hazard, uh, these bad decisions going forward. We need to restore market discipline, in other words.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to your uh, oversight um, committee investigation on this, because I agree with you. I mean, it's absurd. I've never heard of all these corporations being in one bank. I mean, it, it is very risky. And luckily, it didn't bring down the economy like what happened in 2008.
1: Yeah, now I will say what one of the things we need to look at going forward is there has been a pretty broad sell-off uh, among regional banks, um, not really... Based on the fundamentals of the banks, those banks did a much. Their management did a much better job hedging their interest rate risk. They're better capitalized. There's more liquidity in a lot of these other regional banks, but their stock price took a hit, partly because um, prior to the to the Fed and the FDIC's intervention, people were were uh, depositors were ready to flee, especially uninsured depositors were ready to flee to these uh, large uh, Wall Street banks like J.P. Morgan Chase and mm-hmm. Bank of America, City. Um, but we need regional banks. And so, again, I mean, most of these banks had a different management uh, posture. They they did a better job managing the rising interest rates than Silicon Valley Bank did. Um, and so, again, the last thing we need from this administration and from Congress is more regulatory pressure on these regional banks. If you really care about avoiding systemic risk, what you want is strong regional community banks that provide a counterweight and competition to the Wall Street banks. Well, our policy response should not be to accelerate consolidation into the large Wall Street money center banks. Uh, and if anything, we should continue our, the Republican approach from the last several years of tiered regulation, of tailored regulation, um, and then oversight over bank supervision so that if there is risky management practices, like we saw in Silicon Valley, the regulators catch it and apply the, the existing regulations to that bank. Um, but more piling on more rules, more costs, more regulations on community banks, that will serve only to consolidate the banking sector more and make too big to bank too big to fail banks even bigger and even more systemically risky so the, the 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 policy response here is very very delicate and we have to make sure that the wrong policies are not put into place
0: well i am sure andy with your leadership on this you will you will find us some great solutions so we appreciate it